0: So hi all, and welcome back to The Outlier. On this episode, we have the pleasure of having Morris Kelter on the podcast. Morris is probably what most would deem to be a high performer, both in a professional and in a sporting sense, having began his career in one of the big four consultings to now having very successfully made the jump into sales strategy and HubSpot, all the while training for some incredible fitness endeavors, most notably an ultramarathon and an Ironman. Morris has an outlook on life that's inspirational. I'm so excited to be speaking to him today and to be able to gain some insight into how he's constantly setting and achieving goals and areas he's passionate about. So, Morris, thanks so million for the time today. It's great to thanks have so, you here.
1: Thanks so much for having me, having me on, Ben. And geez, what an
0: introduction there. You're trying to give me a big head. <laughs> the ego is blown up already. <laughs> 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 but listen, I really appreciate the time. Um, so, one thing I'm really interested in hearing about from people such as yourself that are a goals oriented type is what a good day looks like um i know myself i have certain things i like to do to ensure i get what i want to get out of the day and for knowing you i think that's probably something that you you do as well yourself but first of all i'd love to get an idea so what a good day looks like right now in in lockdown and that kind of thing but also the things you put in place to ensure that a good day happens yeah, that's it's a great question, Ben. And I
1: think, I suppose there's a difference between a good day and a normal day. Um, So like my day kind of depends on, so I work off a, a monthly planning cycle, which mm-hmm. I can dive into in a second. But so that kind of builds the foundation of what my day is going to look like. But okay. regardless of my monthly goals, I always have a set structure for my days, especially in the morning. So like Amazing. the morning is my favorite time of the day. So like every day, every good day starts with an early start glass of cold water a cup of coffee all the good stuff you know um yeah. but like my my morning typically has three component parts which i do every single day and it's just like an important part of my routine and that's reading journaling and movement so just dive into each of those areas i suppose in terms of reading what i typically do is i read a book every day called daily stoic i'm not right. sure if you're familiar with it been um ryan holiday no.
0: I'm, yeah. not, I'm familiar with the name but i'm also familiar with stoicism as a whole but yeah for for people listening could you give them an idea as to what stoicism is yeah i suppose stoicism
1: is like how i view stoicism it's like your internal operating system and it's all about building up a mental resilience for when times get difficult you're ready um and it doesn't take you by surprise basically but what the book is it's called the daily stoic and it's just 365 pages and it's one page a day So basically, I get up, I read one page of that book, and it just gives you something to think about for the day. Um, And it sets the mind, it activates the mind first thing in the morning, which I think is great. So that's usually step one of my morning. I read that while having my coffee, only takes a minute, two minutes max. And then I move on to journaling. And I think just on the topic of habits, I think journaling is probably one of my favorite habits I've developed over the years and I've thankfully kept a journal now for the last I'd say four or five years wow. and yeah it's like it's fantastic like it's it's great to have it's great to be able to step back three or four years ago and figure out what was on your mind then what were you worried about what were you
0: looking forward to like it's fantastic I, so I uh I'm the same I, I keep one and I'm definitely out disciplined discipline you and on a daily basis but I kind of find myself writing in it once every month or two but I, I've been doing a oh, Maybe like ten years now, and but like you said, you're. I find it's it's like almost you're able to jump back in time and jump into that mind state that you were in when you were in second or third year of college, wherever, and see what the thoughts and feelings and emotions you had, and and then there's obviously this massive change. It, it's such an interesting, um, such an interesting one to be able to do, and the growth you can see in yourself, it's amazing.
1: Yeah, I love it. Like it's one of I I like you're lucky you've done that for ten years plus. Like it's. Incredible, and as you said, the growth. Like what's super interesting is, I tip if I'm concerned or if I'm nervous or apprehensive about something, I'll always write that in the journal, and it's fun to look back in it. Months down the line, yes. you're like, ah, oh, what was I worried about that for? It's absolutely nothing. um Yeah, so that's super interesting. So that's always step two of my morning. So what I actually do is I read a page from the previous year just to see what I was up to and what I was thinking, and then I. I write the journal then for the previous day so that's every morning and that's a
0: routine that I'm hoping to keep. That, that's brilliant I saw, I saw a quote recently it was like if it doesn't matter in if it won't matter in, in five years time it doesn't matter at all something like that is that something that you found looking back on the journal entries from a year or two ago? not even in mind a year or two ago, even three or four months ago, like things that I would have been
1: worried about back then. And it's just, <laughs> worry is probably the wrong word, but I'd say occupying too much attention attention yeah. space in my mind, thinking about it. Um, and then it becomes nothing at all. Um, yeah. yeah just, just to jump back into the routine, sorry, going off on tangents. but um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, So yeah, start off. So reading, journaling, and then movement. So I think movement is a critical part of every good morning routine and, to be honest it varies if I'm training for something that could be a it could be a run it could be a cycle it could be a swim but more generally these days it's just a bit of mobility in the morning some stretching out because like most people I'm sitting at a desk all day so just a few stretches in the morning and go out for a walk always before work Um, I think that's
0: important and to, to go to the movement part now we had a mutual friend of ours on Gary Featherstone last week and we were talking about that movement piece but I think for, for clarity of mind and to feel like we're doing something and Gary was saying and I was saying that we don't need to go out and bash ourselves every single day you know that it's just a little bit or whatever it feel, feels good on the day-to-day basis and then you know every once in a while it is good to go out and bash yourself and see see where we are and test what what, what are your feelings on that type of thing do you go out and smash it every day or is it a little bit or mix of both?
1: no um like my priority to be honest is i love being outdoors and movement just allows me to be outdoors for longer so i don't bash myself anymore like like thinking back to when we used to kill ourselves in wad's like <laughs> i haven't done that in a while um but so yeah i just take it easy and i just enjoy it and quite often like my movement um like it incorporates learning so i'm always listening to audio books always listen to podcasts so it's nearly multitasking in that way so i just take it easy go for a nice gentle jog listen to a podcast listen to a book um and it's just like peace of
0: mind it's brilliant real real and um are you training for anything specific at the moment so no um which is nice as well though because Mm -hmm. like for the last few
1: years i've been i've had iron man on the cards or i was training for a marathon and now i can just Train for the enjoyment of it. So I have nothing specific to work towards. So I'm not put myself under any pressure. I do have a few goals. Like there's in August, there's a hard man down in Kerry, which is like an Ironman distance triathlon. So hoping to do that if it goes ahead, um, going to plan a few long runs this month. Um, and then like typically while I work towards, So I don't necessarily train for any one goal in these times, just because there's so much uncertainty. But as I kind of said, like at the start of each month, I sit down and I plan out my month and I set myself targets and I set myself goals. So typically I have maybe six or seven categories depending on the month. And I sit down at the start of the month. So I sat down yesterday now and I map out each of these categories and then I set my targets for the month based on them. So like the categories that I usually work off will be fitness, um, diet and nutrition, education and learning, um, finance, career. And then friends and family. So they're my six core categories that I usually work from. And I set goals from those. So just back to your questions on fitness. So like Mm -hmm. I set out my fitness goals. So for next month, um, like just an example of some of my goals, I want to cycle 800 kilometers, um, swim 10 kilometers in the sea. A random one, actually, which I've been doing for the last few months in lockdown, which has worked particularly well, is doing 10,000 push-ups a month. Very random. But... (laughs) It just works because when you're sitting at a desk all day, and you'll notice as well, in between meetings, you're constantly like, you might not even stand up. But because I have this goal of 10,000 push ups, typically in between meetings, I get up and I bang out a
0: few push ups and get that movement in as much as possible. So that is a brilliant idea. You're starting to sound a little bit like David Goggins. <laughs> i tell you it's brilliant i love it like like my girlfriend pauline she thinks i'm nuts yeah.
1: like because we could just be walking and then i just pop down and do 50 push-ups and it's like what is
0: wrong with you morris <laughs> he's just enjoying it, he's just enjoying it. Well, that's a that's great structure and those um six or seven um subjects are they yeah. things that you came up with or did you find those just in something you were reading or what's that
1: not there they're just for me, to be honest, I just came up with okay. them myself and and they evolve over time. Mm. Um, like sometimes I might have nothing specific with dietary nutrition in there, or sometimes I might have health in there. Like when I say health, I mean like like last month, I was like, okay, I haven't gone to the doctors in ages for an NCT, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, I'll go for a checkup. So that was just a little goal I had. I was like, I'll go for a checkup and I, I'll go to the dentist. Like that's just random. It's not really a goal, but it's just something to tick off. Yeah. But like those six core categories are just something that I constantly go back to um fitness finance educational learning diet nutrition educational learning
0: brilliant and with the education learning piece is that things that you want to learn for your for your personal growth or professional growth or probably both
1: yeah both um so I think it's important to like always challenge yourself mm-hmm. so like Last month now, what I did was I, I did a strategy course with Scott Galloway. Are you familiar with Scott? No, I haven't heard of him. So Scott Galloway is an N- NYU Stern professor, um, strategy professor. He has a great personal brand himself. Um, he's a great business thinker. And he just runs, he is an e-learning company and basically he runs what he calls like an MBA type sprint. So it's two or three weeks of intense learning. Um, so I did that course last month, which is fantastic um and otherwise into education and learning as i said it's about, all about pushing myself and trying to get myself out of my comfort zone um like something i've always been interested in is entrepreneurship and last month there was a NDRC which is like the government agency for entrepreneurship in ireland they ran their first ever founders weekend um so a founders weekend is like a startup weekend so you basically go in and you over the course of 48 hours, you start working on an idea and you bring it through to, you develop the idea over the 48 hours as much as possible. And then at the end of the Sunday, you actually have to do a pitch and there's prizes at the end of it and stuff like that. So that was a goal that I had to do something like that for a while. And like, especially when you're in lockdown, you're like, oh, another weekend of Zoom, is it really something I want to do? But I had that as my, one of my goals for last month and it turned out to be a fantastic experience. So I really think like, if you put down these education and learning goals, it's a lot easier
0: to tick them off and get them done when you don't feel like doing so otherwise. And in terms of accountability on that, like when I I started getting involved in life coaching, accountability became a really big part of it. And like probably a lot like yourself, things that are written down or things that for me are more likely to be achieved. Um, that yeah. said in terms of accountability i'm accountable to myself and it really bugs me if i don't achieve a goal i won't kill myself over it like i probably would have in the past but it does get at me and i'll make sure to to chase it even more so plus or do you have anyone that you're accountable to or is it just yourself
1: no i'm exactly the same as you ben like i'm i quite like i love setting goals and i love achieving them even more so and like as you said like so, for example, last month, one of my goals was to cycle 800 kilometers, and I was lazy at the start of the month, so I didn't do too much cycling, mm-hmm. and that meant my last two weekends of the month, I had to like, like, there was one weekend there, I think I cycled, I had to cycle 140 kilometers each day, um, <laughs> like, and just and i haven't like typically that would like if i was training for an army man that would be okay but i haven't been in training so like i'm cycling around phoenix park like a lunatic trying to get up to my 800 kilometers and so yeah once i set so, a
0: goal i hold myself accountable at the start of the podcast you said to me you don't bash yourself <laughs> <laughs> Okay,
1: <laughs> but like when i think about bashing myself right yeah. bashing myself is correlated to a very very high heart rate I would say whereas this is more I'm pedaling, I'm listening to my book I'm listening to a podcast it's more a lot more relaxed rather than absolutely killing myself I would say
0: sure, sure. yeah uh, no, I'm with you um it's something I'm, I'm really interested in, in people like yourself who do like to push yourselves every once in a while and like like Gary as well um is when you get to those points in a cycle run swim wad whatever you want when the body is really screaming at you um, and you want to stop, is there any sort of mindset techniques or mantras that you have when you get to that point where pain is just all all encompassing?
1: I would say, and just speaking about Gary, like I know Gary is like going doing an Ironman, and yeah. he is probably one of the best humans ever at going dark. So like he's going to do so well, it's going to be incredible. Oh, he definitely will smash it, yeah. Um, In terms of, I suppose, once I almost look forward to that point where you hit the wall, which is an attitude, like normally people dread, like say if you're running a marathon, people are like, oh my God, I am absolutely dreading the wall. I'm going to fall apart. I'm not going to be able to move. But I typically look forward to finding that point because then I know I'm like, okay, I'm pushing myself fairly hard here and I know I'm going well. And when you do hit that point, and this is counterintuitive, but what I, in a marathon anyway, what I tend to do is actually speed up and I run through it. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, one foot in front of the air, one, front, one foot in front of the other, and just keep powering through it. And maybe that's from experience, like in times in the past when I've hit the wall and I'm like, oh my God, I can't move. I'm going to have to stop. I'm going to get sick. But I've, got, I've, I've kept pushing through it and I've got out the other end of it. And I know that it's only temporary. So I know that that pain will end. So I think now when I hit a wall or when I hit those difficult periods, I know that if you keep w- putting one, front, one foot in front of the other, then that
0: pain is gonna go away and you'll come out the other end. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that that's a great way to look at it. And I'd probably be similar to yourself in that it's just looking at the next incremental step. Um, I know one thing I say to myself when I'm really, really struggling in, in a work, I'd say is that I've been here before, and I've felt this pain before, and if I I know if I keep hammering, I'll come out the other side, and I'll be better for it, but yeah, yeah. I I think it's that that small stuff, rather than thinking of the massive, I don't know, end of the marathon, or end of the workout, whatever, that can be daunting, it's just thinking about the literal next rep, and getting through it. Yeah, that's Um, so important,
1: and I think we're lucky, bit in the sense that we have that experience, like, when you're experiencing that for the first time, then that's, that's a different level of pain like I was running so we did the virtual Dublin Marathon and I ran it with a friend there last year and it was his first time running I think running more than a half marathon okay. so it was his first experience of the wall and it was actually hilarious like and I I, I can still mock him over it today but he was like Oh, he thought he was going to die. He was like, "I cannot move. I need to stop." And I was like, "Come on, keep going, keep going, keep going." And he yeah. got through it. And then he was like, "Oh my God, I can't believe I feel so good now."
0: But yeah, once mad. you break,
1: oh, it's crazy! Like once you break through the barrier, um, you, you know you can always break through it then. Yeah,
0: yeah. And <clears throat> one thing I'm interested in, in hearing about from you now is, um, so, so that mindset that you have and your approach to fitness, uh it's rock solid and I can hear that it's, you're passionate about it and you know how to push through pain and again you come out the other side but I'm interested in hearing is I'm hearing about is how if at all that mindset you take it and can apply it to day-to-day life to work or um, struggles or difficulties you might be having in, in the professional space
1: yeah like I think that, it, I think it comes back to like that stoic mindset. And by the way, like stoicism is something that I just discovered relatively recently, but I realized that it was a mindset that since I was, I have been very young, that it's something that I've worked on and something that I've trained my mind to be like, um, not intentionally, but just how it is. And I think like when you're training for like long distance endurance events, be it a marathon, be it an Ironman, you build that mental endurance and mental toughness. And like, when you apply that back to the day-to-day, like it, it works quite well in the sense you don't take anything too serious. You know, there's an end in sight um, and like, just jumping back in and then we might touch on this, like if we, like I ran that charity event last year, which was Ultra 66, which I can dive into what that's about in a while. But when I was going through quite difficult times, I really felt that fitness is what got me through that so just to give the listeners a brief overview so back in what what year would have been it would have been 2017 my mom was diagnosed with cancer and it was terminal cancer so you know what the inevitable is going to be and then so you're going like it's quite a difficult challenge then so you're like okay do I let this consume me and take over my whole life or how do I deal with it and my approach was I was like okay I need something to distract myself and I need some outlet. And what I did back then was I, I looked to fitness to provide that outlet. Um, something that I always wanted to do was to try a triathlon. And I was like, I'd never done a triathlon. And instead of just signing up for a sprint or a smaller triathlon, I was like, feck I'll sign up for a full Ironman. And so that's what I did. And so sign up for the Ironman, I think, and like going through what was going on at home with my mom having cancer and everything people were probably like, oh, look at Morris. He's running from his problems. Like I was spending hours on the bike, hours cycling, hours swimming. And it was very, it would be very easy for someone to perceive that as like, oh, look at Morris there. He's just trying to distract himself. But that wasn't the case. So what I was doing was I could be out on the bike cycling for eight hours, but I used that time to digest everything that was going on, to process it in my mind and to prepare myself for what was going to come down the line. So when, unfortunately, that my mom did pass away in July 2018, I kind of, I'd been it through it in my head so many times before that I was prepared for it. I was ready for it. I had that mental toughness that I was like, okay, this was going to come. I need to be grateful for all the years that we had together and then move
0: forward that way. That's incredible. And I imagine this, you know, you pushing yourself on the bike and feeling all the Good feelings you feel through fitness, it allowed you to bring your best self to that special time that you had with your mother. Oh, 100%. Like these, when things like this happen, and like a lot of
1: people go through it, it does consume your mind. And when you show up to be with them, you're conscious that, okay, I can't be bringing down the spirits here. I need to be the one that's happy. But you don't want that to be false either. You don't want to have to make yourself do that. But when I did have that outlet on the bike or running, I always had a fresh mind and i felt positive when i was coming back to have those chats with my arm then which was great and like in a way as well it completely like it acted as a distraction to my mom like she got like when i was training for this Ironman, she was loving it like so she was so excited she, she was telling everybody about it and like i did the Ironman man on july 1st and like like my arm was quite sick at the time and she was in hospital but so the Ironman I did was over in Austria and I would have got up at maybe four or five in the morning. And as soon as I got up, the phone was ringing. My mom had her alarm set back in Ireland to make sure she got up to wish me luck. And she was so excited, like, which was fantastic because that was, so my aunt passed away on July 15th. So 15 days after I did the Ironman and like the weeks before that, like, all she could talk about was this. She was chatting to all her friends about it, posting on Facebook about it. Like she was just so excited it almost gave her something else to live for. And I was lucky we got back to the hospital and like I was able to show her the medal and I have some great pictures with her with the medal around her neck and she was taking pictures and calling all the nurses in to show her, to show them the medal and
0: everything. So you know, they're lovely memories that I'll have forever now. Oh, thanks for sharing that, Morris. That, that's that's amazing. No My bad. Yeah, and I'm, I'm probably a really good jumping in point to hear a little bit about um ultra 66 as well i think this is a bonkers endeavor and i just can't wait to hear about it
1: yeah um so ultra 66 kind of so i'll jump back a small bit first so in january 2020 myself and paulie my girlfriend we decided we go traveling the world and as you can imagine 2020 was not a fantastic year for travel (laughs) um but like we were actually very lucky i'd say We probably got more travel done than most people in the world so we had four months of solid travel so we were in dubai we went to india vietnam malaysia um and eventually we were in lockdown in malaysia and we were there for three weeks and they take it a lot more serious over there than in ireland like i went out for a run in Penang in malaysia where we were and i literally got followed home by five police motorcycles for going outside and i was like okay this is a bit more serious here so we made we made the call to come back home um, so we landed home on april 1st and we were kind of like okay so we left our jobs so what do we do now and my mom's 66th birthday was coming up um, so it was on april 19th there in 2020 and i was like oh while i'm home now I, i'd like to do something to remember my mom and it also coincided with the first coronavirus lockdown in ireland so i was kind of thinking jesus if my mom was around today like she would have been so worried so like concerned and I was like who would she turn to in these very difficult times and the answer to that was a fantastic local charity down in Tralee called Recovery Haven and so I kind of got in touch with Recovery Haven and I was like hey how are you doing I imagine it can't be easy financially given everything that's going on and yeah they, they said exactly that like it's difficult there primary fundraising method was like the Ring of Kerry and stuff like that, all of which was going to be cancelled. So I was like, okay, so I can kill two birds with the one stone here, try raise some money for Recovery Haven, a great local charity, and also do something to remember my mom. And that kind of gave birth to Ultra 66. And the premise of that was that I was planning to run one kilometer for every year of my mom's life. So 66 kilometers, um, all within a five kilometer radius. And quite an undertaking it was would have been it was my longest run to date and as i said we were traveling for the first four months and i wouldn't have been very healthy while traveling as you can imagine like living the life in vietnam and the whole and whatnot so i didn't have a good fitness space behind me but we got it done on april 19th and along the way we raised over 18 and a half thousand euro which to this day i i'm still blown away by
0: congratulations Um,
1: Oh, like Ben, I could, like, I still can't believe how much we raised. Like, when I think back, starting, I was like, oh, I'll try to raise 10 euro for every kilometer I run. And I was like, okay, so I need 66 people to give 10 euro and I'll have 660 euro. And I genuinely felt like I was being too optimistic there. I was like, oh, I don't know if I have 66 people to give a tenner each. But I was just
0: blown away then by the support. Oh, what an incredible endeavor and an initiative as well. Congratulations. That, that's, that's that's incredible. Um, Obviously, you were in, in lockdown and you did it in Tralee, wasn't it? Yeah, correct. So yeah. that was, I, I can't remember now what level we were in at that point. Was that a 5K? Yeah, it was 5K. Yeah. Okay. So how many loops or rounds was it of, of the area? Do you know what, it wasn't actually that bad because okay. like a
1: five kilometer radius can be like you can make it quite like a radius can be quite large. So it was like, I think it was maybe nine loops. Okay. Which actually wasn't too bad. Just the way that it worked um, in terms of the diameter of it. Yeah. So it was about nine loops. But it was a it was a lovely route that I had because like there was a couple of points in it. So I ran through my old estate, um, Brendan's Park, which was a little bit emotional. But it was lovely every time because all the neighbors came out standing on their doorsteps, clapping and cheering and neighbors left out like chairs from their kitchen with bottles of water on it and people made little flags and stuff none of this i was expecting so like i genuinely like i downloaded a couple of books and podcasts thinking i'd be just running solo for the whole day didn't expect any interaction from others but it was completely the opposite like the support around tralee was fantastic and i think it also had a nice like byproduct benefit in the sense that it just dis- it helped provide a distraction for people, like everybody was standing out. It just distracted them from reality for one day, and oh, it was just it was a lovely occasion. Like
0: that's inspirational. Um, thanks for sharing that. Uh, so so oh. it was. Sorry, sorry, go on. No, go on. You're fine. Uh, no, I was gonna say so. Sixty six kilometers. How how long does that take you?
1: Um, good question. Trying to think back, I actually can't really remember. I'd say. It was around the six hour mark, I think, maybe. But like the way I looked at that was, I was like, okay, I kind of broke it down. I was comfortable with a marathon. I'd run lots of marathons. So got to the marathon point. And then after that, I was like, how exciting is this? Every step I take is longer than I've ever ran before. So that's kind of the mindset I used. And to be honest, I actually didn't feel it like, running through like my old estate and then we passed the headquarters of the charity recovery haven and they were always out in the road cheering me along like i really didn't feel the kilometers tick by just with the support and i suppose when you're doing it with a purpose and i was like okay like over 700 people have donated and i was like i have to do this for them so there was no there was that genuinely no point where i thought geez, i can't do this my legs are too tired and i think it was just completely down to the support and the ovation Wow, the
0: power of people.
1: Oh, it's incredible, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah, that, that's amazing. Um, So your jumping in point to, say, triathlon as a whole, running, cycling, swimming, um, was it at the point of your mother getting sick or were you involved in it at all prior? So I'd, I was always into running.
1: Well, my venture into running was, like, not really intentional again, but it just happened. Like, I remember... In college, I ran in eight kilometers and I was over the moon with myself. I was like, Jesus, I didn't even train for this. And I ran, I finished eight kilometers and I was so proud. And then that I actually think that might have been the start of it all. Where I was like, if I can run it without much training, what if I train a little? Um and I remember, I think it would have been maybe 2015 or 16, myself and one of my friends, Eric, we signed up for the Dublin Marathon with the goal of just finishing like we did no training so like it was it it was an extremely painful experience um and thinking back to that i'm pretty sure it coincided with getting the results from accountancy exams so either cap twos or maybe fees so i would have been out a few days before it then ran the marathon on the sunday or the monday and oh like i was in bits but i finished it and then that set me on the cycle of oh if i Imagine if I trained, I might do a little bit better. And then I just kept doing that. But the Ironman did coincide, say, with my mom getting sick in the sense that I realized that I was going to need a distraction. And that Ironman definitely filled that gap. And it just gave me that distraction and it gave me that outlet and gave me the time to digest everything that was happening and that was potentially going to happen in the future.
0: Great, great awareness that that's what you needed at the time. Um, to, to to for yourself and for your mother yeah no like and I'm delighted I did that because
1: you do need it like when something like that's going on in your life it is your life um, and it's important to like you're trying to keep everything else going like obviously I had great support from PwC at the time but I, I continued to stay working through most of it as well but you do need that outlet otherwise it becomes everything and if you're like it could just get you down otherwise so it was important to have that outlet I think
0: yeah I, I I've noticed talking talk to some people it's, it's 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 a great awareness that some do have and some others don't That what triggers or actions um allow them to feel release like I, I even say to a lesser extent like preparing for our conversation today I was like okay I want to have a clear head what will allow me to have that and bring my best self to my conversation with Morris you know I was going outside getting some fresh air doing a workout a cup of coffee um and allowing my to bring my best self to to today and to the to the call but um sometimes i find that others are lacking in that awareness piece but for me what really allowed me to find that awareness was mindfulness and, and practicing mindfulness and it's something i've probably only found in the last couple of years i've read a couple yeah. of books and, and I practice it in in some shape or form on a daily basis. And that might literally just be five minutes where I center myself, focus on my breathing um, and don't do anything. And that five minutes gives me just massive bandwidth for the rest of the day. But wanted to know, is mindfulness something that you practice?
1: Um, So I ventured into mindfulness lots of times trying various apps and stuff like that. But to be honest, it's not a habit that stuck for me. Like, I do genuinely believe in the powerful, like, it is a powerful tool. But for me, my mindfulness probably happens when I am swimming or when I'm running. Like, like the time, like sometimes, as I said, I listen to the books or I listen to podcasts, but then other times I just focus internally and just follow the rhythm of like my steps. And like, that's kind of my mindfulness. I, I think mindfulness as a, as a term, it, it depends on what works for you like I've tried the whole sitting and breathing and while I still do that sometimes like in the form of meditation I, I genuinely think that exercises my form of mindfulness.
0: I couldn't agree more I think you're, you're never more present than you are when you're struggling in a workout like you feel every fiber in your being and I think that's the most the most ultimate uh, form of being present is, yeah. is that so yeah yeah I, and you're so right I think it, it's whatever works for you and you know, brings you back to center um, and, yeah, 100%. and you know, removes the distractions um, from, from, from day-to-day life.
1: Yeah. And I think the most powerful form of that for me personally is swimming in the sea. Like, oh, I just love it. Like there's nothing I love more than having my head in the water and swimming and it just, I don't know what it is, but it, it's probably the cold water, like, but it just clears you of absolutely everything. And you just have such a clear mind. Like often I could swim and not one single thought will enter my head which is quite nice because it's hard to get that distraction free zone and i think swimming does that for me
0: yeah you're a braver man than i i'm trying to work out the nerve now to go down to to sea points and and just swim out to that boy and back but it's it's eluding me um let's do it ben
1: we'll do it together
0: okay that's actually a great idea i'll take you up on that yeah
1: (laughs) i'll hold you to that now Oh, God.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm free this weekend. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, excuse me. And so, uh, one thing I'm interested in hearing about from you is like, I, it sounds to me like you found a passion in triathlon. And this is probably something that Morris will do for the rest of his entire life in some shape or form. Um, and yeah. looking back on, on your sporting career, let's call it, as a kid, were you doing. And I know you said you started running properly in college. What kind of sports were you doing at that point in time?
1: Um. So when I was younger, like, I I always played a bit of soccer, played a bit of Gaelic. Um, nothing too much, but one thing that underpinned everything was I always, always loved being outside. Um, like, my mom was, like, she loves fishing, which is random enough for a lady, you might say. But she spent her life, basically, out in Fina Pier. So Phoenix is just like a little seaside area just outside of maybe 20 minutes outside of Tralee. And like I basically grew up in Phoenix. So I was always outdoors um, and like Fina a great spot for swimming as well. So I would have always been in the water once it was hot enough um, out during the summer. And I think I grew up outdoors and that's kind of what fuels my interest in exercise more than anything. It's just a passion for the outdoors and nature. Um,
0: that underpins it really, I think. Okay, okay. I, I was probably asking a little bit of a loaded question that I was going to ask you um, if you were to go back in time or say, say for example, you would have kids of your own. Is there any yeah. specific um, sport that you would like to get them involved in based on your experience to date?
1: Um, I would say no specific sport. Like I think when you're young, especially it's important to try everything. Um, quite interesting. I'm just reading a book at the minute called Range by David Epstein. And it's about how generalists triumph in a specialised world. I think that's the term that's on the front of the book. But um, And in that book, they actually draw the comparison of Tiger Woods and Nadal, I think it is. And basically they speak about how, or sorry, Roger Federer. And they speak about how Tiger basically came out with the womb and he was swinging a golf club. And then you have the comparison of Roger Federer, who he played every sport under the sun before he eventually was like, Do you know what? I kind of like tennis. And that's the kind of thing I would encourage is like practice range, try a bit of everything. You never know what you're going to like. Um, But sport really does give you like a structure. It sets you up for life in the sense that you're going to be happy. You're going to be healthy. And like, yeah, so definitely encourage people just focus on sport and whatever sport makes you happy. Just go with it.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, if you're doing something every day that moves you and makes you happy, it's a winning formula. That's it. And like, for
1: me, the reason why I just love triathlon is because it just made me so productive in other areas of life. Like they often say, like, if you want something done, give it to a busy person. And like when I was training for a triathlon, like every day you'd have to try fit in, maybe a swim, a bike and a run. So I was just getting up at crazy hours in the morning. I had a turbo trainer, so I'd sit cycling inside in my house in the mornings and I use that time also for learning so lots of multitasking lots of structure and I found myself despite training for so many hours per week I was just being incredibly
0: productive brilliant brilliant and that's probably a, a decent segue into what I want to jump into next was that professional stuff Um, so Uh, we've kind of touched on you were at pwc initially and then you've now made the very successful jump into hubspot and sales strategy um so first of all um could you tell me a little bit about why the move and then following that has it been what you expected
1: yeah so i suppose why the move well just to go back again to our travel plans um in january 2020 Yeah, so back in April 2020, when we set off and traveling, there was two aspects behind that. So one was obviously to go explore new cultures and see as much of the world as possible. But the second part was myself and Pauline planned to go down to Australia and try something new on the career front. Um, when we landed back in Ireland in April, I was like, OK, travel is over, but that doesn't mean I should give up on the career change plans. Um, and that's kind of what led me to seeking a new career in tech and within HubSpot. Um, when, so I had some experience previously working in Google and I loved that environment, fast paced, high growth, high energy. And I knew that was kind of the area that I wanted to work in. So kind of a tech firm like that. When when looking at a new career choice, I suppose there was a few boxes that I wanted to tick for me personally. Um, one was I wanted it to be a high growth tech type company. So high growth, high energy. Um, second was, I wanted it to be a public company. So reasons for that, I just wanted to be able to get some skin in the game, basically, and get some equity under my belt.
0: Absolutely, and, yeah, it's important.
1: Oh, definitely, like it's huge. Like when you have skin in the game, you look at things a lot differently. Um, and then why sales and why sales strategy, I suppose then was the, was the third part of that. Looking across my experience from consulting, I got a broad range of experience, but I had that gap in sales. And I was like, that's something that I wanted to look into and didn't know if I wanted to sell directly, which led me into the operational side of it and the strategy side of it. And the last and most important thing about why did I choose HubSpot? And that is I wanted to work for a company that was doing something that I believed in. So if you take a step back and look at HubSpot's mission, HubSpot's mission is to help millions of organizations grow better. So basically HubSpot helps these organizations, small, medium, and and now even large enterprises, it helps them to grow better. So basically it helps them to convert strangers into customers, into evangelists. And I was like, hmm, they're really helping companies here. And I was like, that's a mission I could get behind. And that's ultimately what led me to to the jump in in HubSpot.
0: Okay. Yeah. I I mean, I know HubSpot well, and uh, obviously have a couple of pals in in there uh, and and, uh, they have a great brand. Uh, and one that I know you, it's easy to identify with, and they're obviously a fantastic employer as well. So uh, congrats on that role. But Thank you. So man. Go, going from the, uh, go, well, jumping from practice to industry, obviously it's a bit of a change, you know, when PwC would have been working on various different clients and different projects. And then all of a sudden, then you've gone to one client being your employer, Publish Boss. Um, and I imagine still working on various different projects. How was that adjustment period?
1: Um, it was actually okay. So like prior to making the jump, like, as I said, previous projects in PwC kind of set me up for success in the sense I had spent time, I think I was maybe nearly a year working in Google on a project. So I kind of had that understanding of how the tech world works already. But the main parts of the jump, I suppose, for me were, it was sales. It was sales strategy. I didn't actually have experience in that area. So I was a bit apprehensive about that. So like I just took some simple steps before jumping in. Read lots of books. listened to as many podcasts as I possibly could. Spoke to people in the industry and in different companies. Just try get an understanding. But then when you immerse yourself in the role, you realize even if I didn't read those books, it's all about on the job learning. And like, thankfully, like we have an incredible team there in sales strategy and HubSpot, and it was fantastic just to learn for all of them. Um, obviously, you have an additional challenge on top which I know you encountered as well, Ben, in that it's remote. Like, the big thing here is I've never been in a HubSpot office. I've never met the majority of people that I actually work with on a day-to-day basis. And you're the same as far as I know, Ben, aren't you?
0: Absolutely, yeah. I I think I've met my manager in person once uh, and then another member of the team once because I bumped into him on a stroll, which was very (laughs) strange. And I, I, I give you a bit of an anecdote as to my feelings around this. So when I was working with, um, when I was working with Coca-Cola in, in, in Melbourne, uh, I, I looked after the state of Tasmania and Victoria doing HR for them. I was based in Melbourne. So the guys in Tassie, I, I never met him. It was all over zoom. And, uh, there was one, one guy and he senior sales manager guy. I talked to him, I think every week, uh, all over zoom. And he was up in Melbourne then for a sales conference. And, um, He's like, I'll be up. We should go for a beer. I was like, absolutely great. So I like I like to stand on a stand up desk. I'm standing at one now, and I had one in in cope as well. I stand there. Type of my I'm not the tallest guy, as you know. I think I'm six foot flat, and I get this all enough. Then all <laughs> enough. It's punching the ribs anyway, and it's your man. He's like, hey, you getting on. And I look around and (laughs) I'd say the poor guy is all of five foot five and you know you have to keep you have to keep a very (laughs) calm face and say oh hey how are you but like so I learned my lesson about how to behave from people you've only encountered over zoom so luckily my my now manager in Trabir was uh, as as tall as I'd expected Uh, (laughs) it was was a funny one it was like a strange tinder date or something like that meeting (laughs) oh
1: it's so strange like and like you have to meet people twice, like you have your virtual meeting and then your in person. Exactly. I, yeah. I still have all these in person ones to go, so I'm sure I'll have plenty of similar stories once that happens.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, boss. Yeah. So, so anyway, uh, sales strategy in HostBoss. boss. Um, it, it's so how long have you been there? Six, six months now.
1: Um, so I joined in June, so pushing up on ten months roughly now. I'd say Nine, okay. 10
0: months. Yeah. Might, hopefully, we'll get back into uh, into some sort of office within the next year yeah I can't wait like
1: I actually realized how much I love like human interaction it's crazy like you just miss it so much so really excited for that to happen
0: again yeah me too me too um so probably changing pace a little bit again um so you're obviously a highly goals driven person motivated self-motivated um which is awesome to see um I'm really interested in hearing about what personal success looks like to you I think success is a word that's bandied around quite a lot right now you know I want to be successful and he's successful she's successful and this kind of thing but successful is so relative you know my success and your success could be chalk and cheese in terms of what we understand it to be and what we want for ourselves so I'd love to get a bit of a picture as to what success looks like for Morris yeah and how that vision has changed over time as well
1: yeah, I think maybe start with the second part of your question there, like it's a great question. And like, as you said, it's different for everybody. So like, that's one thing that's so important to remember is that success is unique to the individual. Um, like, I think that's really important to remember. Like if I jump back to college, I was like super ambitious. And I set myself targets, which were completely unrealistic. And the reason why that was is because I would have compared myself to like extremely successful entrepreneurs. And I was like, OK, that's the measure of success. You look at the likes of Mark Zuckerberg, 22, 23. He said, of oh, Facebook, a billionaire, extremely successful. And I was like, yeah, that's my measure of success. So that was when I was in college. And as time goes by, you're like, OK. Mark Zuckerberg is never going to be able to go to Thailand with his friends and have the time of his life going partying, having a great having a great time. Mark Zuckerberg is never going to be able to spend 20 hours a week training for a run. And so I think my vision of success transformed as a result of that. And as I said, like I, I recently listened to a podcast and Paul Graham who's the founder of Y Combinator, a startup incubator, which Stripe and a number of other fantastic companies came from. And Paul Graham's given advice to 20 year olds. It was like a, how to start a company module in Stanford. And he said, don't start a company in your twenties. And he said, your twenties is for enjoying yourself. Make the most of your twenties. And oh, wow. oh it's, it's like, I was refreshing to hear, hear him say it because he's funded some of the world's most successful companies, all of which have extremely young founders. And they're the type of people I would have previously matched myself with. And what Paul Graham actually said, and I was reading a different book afterwards, it's like the average age of a successful tech founder is like 42. And you're like, Jesus, that's not what you would expect at all. Um, Like you look at Jeff Bezos and Jeff Bezos started Amazon when he was 33, I think. Um, So that kind of changed my perspective on a lot of things. And I was like, look, like over the last 10 years, I've actually accomplished a lot. I've built my career. I've qualified as an accountant. Not that I use it day to day, but I still have that stamp of financial literacy. I've traveled to, I don't know, maybe over over 42 countries. I found a love and a passion for sports. I've built some incredible relationships and made some incredible friends along the way. And that kind of really helped me to focus on what success is today. So like today it's kind of changed. So today, success is about making the most of every day and um, working to find my own limits and reach my full potential. And, and then my passions, as I said, fitness and like seeking to find my limits in endurance and in fitness. So I think as you, like, as you rightly said there, it's very unique to the individual and it definitely changes over time.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's, it's an ever changing thing. And you know what, in a year or two, you'll probably come back to me and say, Uh, it's actually something a little bit different now and this thing has come in and that thing went out and um but yeah and and look like from talking to you you're absolutely nailing it and successful every day by the sounds of things um
1: enjoying the journey is the most important part i think
0: yeah yeah exactly um another one uh so advice that you would give to yourself 10 years ago and you know you said that you, you in college you had a vision of success you, you know a hypo tech startup guy is someone that you need to be and um I imagine there'd be something there w- one thing that I know if I could go back in time and what age am I now I'm 28 grab 18 year old oh my god <laughs> eighteen year <old> <laughs> oh it's scary we're so old oh there. wow <laughs> <laughs> and I grab and I just say Stop being so hard on yourself. I I I was, and I was a sucker and i probably a little bit still of a sucker for just being really, really hard on myself over things that aren't a big deal. Um, Tie into your journaling piece or my journaling piece when you look back and you see the language you used around yourself. But I think I was inordinately tough on myself uh, and I allowed my my uh, my desire to be like others or my that the fact that I compared myself to others to impact on my view of myself which isn't healthy I I was my own person trying to figure my own stuff out and you know that takes time but wish I could go back and just say just stop being so hard on yourself it'll be fine no you'll work it out um is there anything that you'd love to go back and and tell (laughs) 18 year old Morris Uh,
1: 18 year old Morris (laughs) um (laughs) lots of things but no um yeah it's a great question and I'd be I'd completely agree with what you said. Like, not to be so hard on yourself. Like, you can hold yourself to very high expectations. But, like, looking back, I'm actually quite happy with how everything worked out. Like, I really enjoyed myself. I made the most of everything. And I did what you should do in your late teenage years and in your 20s. Like, just have a a great time, basically, like, and learn along the way. I think when you asked that question, one thing came to mind, and it was like a, a Steve Jobs quote. I think it was from his... Stanford commencement speech, and he said, you can't connect the dots looking forward, you can only connect them looking backwards. So you have to trust that the dots will somehow connect in your future. And I think that's a quote that I probably live by today. And it's a quote that I would like to tell myself 10 years ago, because quite often when you're stuck in the grind of the day to day, you have your head stuck in the weeds, you're like, what am I doing? How is this going to contribute to where I want to get to eventually? And it's very difficult to see it in the present moment, like you can't look forward and connect those dots, but five, 10 years down the line, when you stick your heads out of the weeds and you look back, I think you're going to be able to see that all those dots lining up very easily. And I think that's a very important way to look at things.
0: That's Brilliant. That's great. And thanks for sharing. I've never heard that before.
1: Um, If you haven't heard that speech, it's like, just look up Steve Jobs, 2004 Stanford commencement speech. and it's. 10, 15 minutes long, but it's actually something I've, I say I've listened to it hundreds of times. I nearly know it off my heart to this stage. It's brilliant. Ah, oh,
0: that's, that's incredible. That's incredible. Um, thanks mate. So, so Morris, I know we've touched on it, but I'm just curious to drill into it a tiny bit more. Um, but so me and you sit down 12 months time and I know there's some really ambitious fitness goals there. Um, but is there anything else you'd like to tell me about that you've done, seen or achieved?
1: Um, I suppose in 12 months, like it's it's a question which in normal times I would list off 10 things that in 12 months time that I'm gonna have done. But like times are very uncertain now and like there's just a lot of uncertainty in times today. So I think it's important to focus on the controllables and like now is not a time to be putting undue pressure on yourself. So I think I'm gonna to continue to focus on the basics keep up my routines, look after my health, my fitness, family and friends, continue learning, um, continue to put myself out there. If an opportunity arises, say yes, which I think is important because that could be one of those dots that leads you somewhere you were never going to go otherwise. And I think, look, it's important to put yourself out there and just keep working towards
0: those goals. Absolutely. And uh, swim and sea point with me at some point, sure. We'll, We'll come on the cards. So the goal is on on the next podcast you record
1: you yeah. have to say i swam out to that first boy in see point
0: it's out it's out in the public sphere so it's out in the public <laughs> it has to happen now. <laughs> and you don't uh, you don't
1: like it you don't like admitting failure as you said if you oh, set I mean a goal not. you have to do it so you're gonna to have to hold yourself to that
0: now oh wow okay <laughs> here we go <laughs> um so last but not least um there's obviously so many exciting things that are held held in the future for you. Where can people follow you?
1: Um, I suppose on Instagram, I think my username is M Kelter, and it's the exact same on Twitter. Um, also on LinkedIn, Morris Kelter. And like, if anybody has any questions about how to get into triathlon, into running, or any career questions at all, I'm always more than happy to help. So feel free to reach out anytime.
0: Ah. This has been a blast. Morris, thank you so much for the time. I really, really appreciate it. And I'm so excited to to sit here in the stands and watch all these incredible achievements come to fruition for you.
1: Thanks so much, man. It was actually fantastic chatting to you and I'm buzzing after the conversation.
0: Brilliant, brilliant.